Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello and welcome to the First and Fifteen podcast, Southern Region Coverage. My name is Jay Ballamy and I'm joined by our regular panellist, Lewis Phillips. Hello. And Ryan Homolo McEvening. Hello. Sadly, Gareth Price and Luke Warm Champion won't be joining us this evening as they are too good now for Division 1 and uh, are both too busy for us. So um, we'll, we'll proceed, lads, as, as it's just a Division 1 show. We can have a nice intimate chat about it all. But um, how are we doing, lads? Okay? Yeah, very, very good. good. Yeah, lovely weather, aren't we? Having... Well, I did feel slightly cheated at the weekend because Friday was lovely. Um, and then Saturday, me and Home Alone went off to a tournament and it rained all day. Which uh, um, it's just absolute rubbish. I don't understand why that happens, but um, yeah. Welcome to England. I think is the tagline for that. Absolutely, Northampton was um, as grey as ever. Anyway, we shall press on, lads, and uh, we won't get completely distracted as we did last week by other non-Baffer tournaments. Uh, home alone. We're going to come straight over to your set of game days then over in Salisbury. Um, to give us a bit of lowdown on some of the results. So the first one that you had in your predictor show was Swansea Flash. How was that? Um, so while I didn't um, watch this game because I was playing, um, this was very vocal, I think, from both sides, both cheering and getting quite passionate about the game. Um, the Flash did run out. I think it was one score winners in the end, but it definitely seemed to me like they were going back and forth um, with both teams getting stats um, on both sides of the ball. Um, this will lead into... Two of my shout-outs for this week um, on the game day. I had several players talk to me um, and say that we don't talk about defence enough on this show, so I'll hopefully try and correct that. Um, so David Camp, the blitzer for Swansea. I knew it would be David. <laughs> of course it's David. <laughs> but to be fair to him, he said that and he backed it up with um, seven passes defended um, and two sacks. So he was definitely a force um, in that game um, with, I think, two of them coming in that game um, and then a few against us a bit which I'll talk about a bit later on um, but then Andy Horton as well had eight sacks um, and he says to me that he's got one in at least every game um, this season so hopefully don't keep that going against us but for the rest of the teams keep them rolling that's our commentary on defence for the day is it are we, we uh, to talk about I've, got, I've got one more shout out but defence yeah, it's fantastic that David Camps has made himself have his own shout out there. <laughs> He's probably also written his own stat line as well. Seven passes it's, uh, defended. It's pretty tight at the top for for um, sacks as well in in that uh, in our divisions, our two divisions. Because you've got, I mean, you've got Paddy's leading the way on sixteen. Andrew Horton with. Do you see eight sacks in a day? That's insane. Yeah, um, eight he, sacks he, in a day. I think he got four in one of them. Um, I believe it's Salisbury, but don't quote me on that. So he shoots up to second place with 15 hot on Paddy's tails and then you've got Flo in third place with the Coyotes on 14. Just out of interest, Lewis, where's my guy Alex? Uh, He's next. There's a bit of a drop-off then in fourth place. Alex gets uh, comes in in fourth place with seven sacks, but he was really impressive on the weekend. Uh, I think he got... Um, three safeties. He got, three, he got a, safety, a sack safety in every game, didn't he? And he got, I think he got two other sacks as well. You got two sacks and then three sack safeties. See, that would have been very impressive. Prediction if someone had called it, it, it would have been really <laughs> out there, wouldn't it? We've we've sort of nicknamed him to, internally the Wizard now because he looks a bit like a wizard. <laughs> um, Maybe we should talk about defense more then. 
maybe we should talk about defense more. Yeah, clearly they've got some interesting stats, and uh, yeah, we can talk about you know Dave Camp's past defended stats for <laughs> hours. Who knows? Uh, next game then, home alone, Swansea versus the Devils. Yeah, so this was um, sort of definitely my favorite game um, on the day. Um, it was one that really did go back and forth the whole way. Um, I think Swansea forced us to go four and out um, on our first drive, um, partly due to those pass defended, um, <laughs> and then did score. But um, I have to say a big shout out to the Devils' defense in this one. They were fantastic, especially down um, in the red zone. I believe we stopped um, Swansea from scoring um, a couple times on fourth down in the red zone with them right on our goal line. So massive shout out. And that was really big um, in terms of swinging momentum of the game. Um, I think we're all we're very comfortable on offense in that, to be fair. Um, I think after that first drive, I don't think Swansea stopped us really. Um, and we had the ball to end the game. But I'd say it's a big shout out to Swansea. I think they really did come up um, and play very well. Um, there were some missed opportunities in terms of some drop passes um, in the end zone um, on deep balls and such like that. But overall, I think the Devils were deserving winners. And was that a, a Swansea team home alone with their full complement on offence then? Um, I believe so, yeah. Um, I think they had Andrew Cooper back who scored three touchdowns on us. Um, he was a menace all day. Um, I think Heggs was pulling his hair out on the sidelines. Um, he's our defensive coordinator. Um, he couldn't play watching him sort of score jump ball on jump ball. Um, but I, I think overall, like I say, Devils were deserving winners, but Swansea definitely put up a good showing for themselves. I think that's uh, that's probably Alex Thomas. I think not um, just to give credit to the right person, Alex Alex Thomas got three touchdowns on the day and Harley Labbert got one. That would be the one I then. Think- I think from talking to Ash um, recently, I think they've more moved Andy to a to a more defensive position, um, and with with uh, young Jack Wright coming coming along, he's a very interesting player to keep an eye out for. Um, young lad, but runs very good routes and sneaky fast. So uh, that that offensive is probably more likely going to be Alex Harley and Jack, um, especially with the news that Coop's on his way out. Yes, well, I, I was I was sort of biting my tongue there, Lewis, to see if you said it first before I did, in case I, can, I caused you some more editing work. But yes, um, Mr. Mr. Cooper's moving to London, isn't he? He's moving to our yeah. uh, our favourite team in the in, in the area, the the Flash. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, doesn't spend too long there and gets promoted up to the Smoke team. So all the best for him. Yeah, all the best, Coop. And uh, I feel bad for Ash. He's got one less <laughs> really really good receiver to throw we a ball talked. to. Talked a lot about that fully uh, fully armed and operational Swansea Hammerheads offense. Uh, they get one game with all of them back, and then it's uh, man down already. But like I said, keep an eye out for Jack because um, he's yeah. I've I've spotted I've spotted him at not not this game day, but the game day before, and he caught my eye and was very impressive. So that's young lad to watch coming up through the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I've seen him play a couple of times as well, and you can tell over the over the course of the winter, his hands and his route running have just become a little bit more cre- uh, crisp, haven't they? So, um, yeah. absolutely, they're good at developing people out there in Swansea. So, it must be something in the water. <laughs> uh, and then, final game you wanted to cover then, Home Alone uh, from your uh, predictor show was the Solent Red Storm versus Waveney Wolves, two um, winless teams going into the day. Uh, what was the uh, what was the outcome? Um, so the outcome was a heavy Waveney win. Um, 
I personally don't feel that the scoreline really reflected how this game went. Um, I think Waveney were very good value for their score and I believe that they did deserve to put up that amount of points. Um, that being said, though, Solent did put up a very good um, performance. They did move the ball very well um, and had fourth and goal um, from inside the five multiple times. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't convert this, but I do think that they put up a better performance than the scoreline suggests. Um, I think Waveney are definitely growing very, very well um, into the league, and I think they'll be a real force to reckon with in a couple of years' time once um, a couple of their players mature a bit more, get a bit more experience under their belts. Um, they're definitely a team to look out for in the future. See, I've got a couple of things to sort of comment on this one. So I'll start with Waveney. Obviously, you just said they're about the team maturing. If you if you look at the Waveney team that went and played their under-17s tournament a couple of... It was supposed to have been three or four weeks ago now, but obviously, if you follow people on social media, you end up with these these types of random things popping into your feed. I think their under-17s tournament uh, team is pretty much exactly the same as their flag team, and they are battering some of those youth teams now um, up and down the up and down the field. Is it that level difference to adult ball that we think that's probably giving them that edge now in the youth ranks? And and does that does that naturally translate, I guess, over time into an adult position? The only, the only example I can think of really would be the Tibbles, because I believe they all played youth flag or youth contact in some form and then translated that up into the adult team. Lewis, you've probably been around long enough to, to have some experience of this. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, iron sharpens iron, right? That's the saying. So there is a big, a big difference between playing youth and playing and playing adult contact. It's faster. It's a bit more rough and tumble. And as you get used to that, it's just going to, it affects your game and, you know, you kind of adapt to it. So then, yeah, I'm not at all surprised to see them carry over uh, some lessons that they may have learned from the adult game and, and is helping them in their youth games. You know, and it's that all-important thing that we all experience with building clubs, but if they can keep that unit together now for the next, even if it's three, four years, you've got to think that they'll be making a run at Division One winners at some point in that period because they're all young, they're all going to be more athletic than most of the people that exist in the game right now at the Division One level. Um, and they're only going to get bigger, faster, stronger, more mature, as you say, home alone in some of their decision-making. Um and they've got to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. I will say as well, they um, come with their youth quarterback for the first time. And I've got to say the talent that he had was pretty incredible. He was making throws off his back foot, sidearm. I, I think it was very much looking like Patrick Mahomes um, a little bit on the day. Maybe not quite to that level, but I, I think they've got a very bright future um, ahead of them. Did my guy 11 score, by the way? Let me just figure out which one is number 11. At this point, uh, I'd like to point out, Waveney, that your next step is uh, to get some stats onto League Republic because I've just looked at, looked at the game and nobody has any stats. Same goes for you as well, Solent. But I mean, Waveney, you've put up forty points and we can't we can't call out anyone's name. Oh, rubbish, rubbish. We won't be able to give you props, Waveney. Please, uh, please add your stats to uh, what relevant platform Baffa decide to use. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then sort of my second point in that game, then uh, Solent, I mean, Luke probably is somewhere in London crying his absolute eyes out that they've not got their first win. Um, uh, what what do we make of the Solent season so far? Do we think it's been successful? Do we think Because I think they've personally gotten better, but the results probably don't, you know, reflect that so much. I, personally, I think it would depend with what 
mindset they come in with, really. I, I think new teams always have a learning curve. And I think some of the teams that they've played have been playing for a very long time. Um, so if they thought they'd come in and win maybe more games than they lose, I, I think they'd be pretty disappointed. But I think on the whole, they'd seemed quite happy um, with their performance. And I think even through the day, they definitely got better. And I, I think playing teams against that were maybe on more their level, I, I think they definitely gave a good showing for themselves. But I, I think it all goes into context with where they're at and what obviously their hopes are for the season. Again, when it comes to like the changes in, in league play to anything else, you play, you know, you, before you come into this, you play two um, affiliation games and they're not really league standard, are they? We know, we know that you know, like teams that have been in, the, in around the league for a long time don't necessarily view these as uh, competitive matchups. They might try different things, put run people out who might not get as much game time. Um, and then to, to a, a greater or lesser extent, the Southwest series can be s- something similar. I know Exeter, we usually um, split our team into to give people more of a run out. So then when you get to the league, it's a big step up again. So um, I think things like the Southwest series, if they come back, I hope they do. Will only be will only be good for them. And I know I've seen on their social media and things, and, and speaking to Nick, they're very excited to have some of their uh, younger school aged players back, um, and I'm excited to have that in, that influx of energy. So they've mentioned it a couple of times. When GCSE season is over, they're looking forward to having some of their players back. Um, so I look forward to seeing uh, what Solent are like with you know the personnel that they're very excited about so i look forward like to it would you like a very uninteresting stat for the day by the way go yes, for it it's, it's 10 years today since i finished my gccs oh wow <laughs> i feel really old about that um but no in terms of in terms of surmising then for Solent, you know lewis again i'll come to you as the person that's been in this game for the longest out of, of the three of us that are here today you know if you're going to give them one bit of advice what would you give Solent? Stick to it. Learn, learn. Just soak it all up. Learn lessons if you can. Get um, get film. Figure out what other teams are doing and and adapt your game and figure out what your strengths are. But that the the basis of that is just sticking with it. The first couple of years are gonna be hard, but so long as you learn lessons from from these tough losses, that's where the improvement will come from. And I think to build on that as well, actually, um, do reach out that for all sort of newer teams starting, do reach out to sort of more experienced teams, ask them these sort of questions, find out what they've learned over the years. I know um, Jay will speak to this as well, but um, the Red Devils had a lot of help kind of getting off um, off the floor, getting going. Oh, yeah, um, we, we had invaluable experience from the London Rebels. Like Kenny, Kenny Bello spent way more time with us than he probably should have done. Just, just you know, giving us the, the sort of in betweens about you know what is a contact game and what is a flag game and how you should how you should approach the two in a different way, you know. And, and you're absolutely right, Home Alone. Reach out, e- even if it's just the three of us on this podcast. I'm pretty sure that any any one of us would uh, would happily spend an hour with a team just explaining little things, little details, just to make them better. Um, yeah, and that goes. To... Sorry, I've, I've cut you off there. Go okay, go ahead. I was going to say that goes to the majority of people I'm, I've encountered in flag. Um, everyone's all super friendly and very happy to help and sort of pass it forward as way well, as well. I think we all start from the bottom, especially with um, American football. Everyone kind of comes in as a rookie, 
and you work your way up, I, I think everyone's very appreciative of that. Um, and like I say, people are very happy to pass that forward. So if anyone does need this sort of guidance, this sort of help to get going, please do reach out to anyone. It's definitely worth and it. Again, it comes it comes back to what I said earlier about iron sharpens iron, and that goes that runs both ways. Like it doesn't benefit me or my team to thrash you sixty nil every week. It's better for me if you get better and give us a challenge and help us to get better. Like, Absolutely. Started from the bottom and now we're on a podcast, lads. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels. As I said, probably cool. get a worse reaction than Drake's current album. <laughs> um, cool. Right. We'll move off of the Salisbury game day then and we'll come to the flagosophical question of the podcast. Um, I had at least two people tell me they like this segment, so we're keeping it until someone says they don't like it. <laughs> um, although I'll quote JT, um, that question was shit. Uh, so I, I, I've, I've outsourced the question this week, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Home Alone, so blame him if you don't like it. Uh, the question that I have, or the topic I have to discuss, really, between the three of us, is the Baffer tiebreakers. Do we like them? Do we not like them? Lewis, because I'll, I'll butcher them if I get them, if I, if I try and recite <laughs> them, I'm going to come to you and, and you can just define what they are for our listeners. So, okay, I've got them in front of me because um, I've been talking to a lot of people about this halfway through the season now, so this is becoming a hot topic. So obviously uh, your first tiebreaker is your win percentage. Um, that seems pretty self-explanatory. Then you've got your head-to-head record, so but not including any aggregate points or points scored or anything. So that's if I play... If two teams play each other twice, um, did one team win both of them? Did you split it? Did one team lose both? Blah blah. blah. Obviously, if they split the um, if they split the scores one apiece, or if you only play each other once, then you uh, or sorry, if you split them one apiece, those games, and you're tied on that, then it goes to head-to-head aggregate points. So, for example, if you if your team loses the first meeting by six points, you need to make sure that the next time you play them, you beat them by more than six points. If you only beat them by six points, uh, then you move to the next tiebreaker, which is um, net points per games played. Uh, And this is not including um, forfeited games. Um, So if you end up having any forfeits, then those don't get included in the calculation. So for example, in the Southwest, we're playing 18 games, if one of the, if one of those games is a, gets forfeited, um, you take the point scored and you divide it by seventeen instead of eighteen. Uh, after that, you've got points scored per game played again. Um, so this is not to, to to differentiate net points is obviously points scored minus points against, um, taking away forfeits. Uh, and then you've just got points scored per games played. So that's just your points for not including forfeits, divided by how many games you've played. Um, and then in the unlikely event that you get through all that and you're still tied, you can play a single elimination head-to-head playoff game between the teams to decide rank. Um, and if this is not logistically possible, then a coin toss will decide. And is that, that the same summary. for sort of playoffs and looking further afield in there? Say that again. Um, so when we're looking for uh, playoffs and sort of consideration for that, is it the same set of tie breaks or does it go yeah. for a different way? No, no, same, same, same tie breakers. The, the only difference when it comes to playoffs is that 
the first thing you do is you take the division winners and then you rank them uh, one to six based on those tiebreakers. And then you take the next best records um, based on those uh, based on those tiebreakers. And Home Alone, because this is your question, I would imagine you've got very, fairly strong views on this. So I'm going to come to you first. I think I know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think what I initially had strong opinions on um, isn't actually the case, but I, I think I've got another one to continue it. And I, I think that divisional winners having the first six seeds, I, I think to me seems a bit flawed. I, I think right now the Devils have the fifth best record in the country. Um, but are currently ranked seventh. Um, and, and while it's obviously not a massive difference, I, I think it's something that necessarily winning your division shouldn't count when going towards national um, considerations. I think obviously there's some divisions that I don't know. I think it's. I think I think the opposite. I think when it comes to like promotions, um, the difference between promotion and national championships. I think you want the the four there's four there's four spots up for grabs yeah three of them are automatic this year and one of them is a playoff but let's say there's four up for grabs you want the four best teams to be in the premiership right so that's the difference is when it comes to promotion division winners are not are not um are not taken into consideration so at the moment the way things are sitting uh i think your Three promotion teams are London Flash, Cheltenham Neptunes, Reading Devils will automatically get promoted. And currently the Exeter Falcons would have to play a playoff game with the number five team in uh, in the Southwest. Um, but then when it comes to, you know, national championships and going to playoffs and things, I think, yeah, there should be a, some kind of... Um, reward for winning and topping your division steering us steering us back to the actual question at hand then lads getting away from playoffs because i'm sure i'm sure as we get deeper into this we'll be able to have a much more hotly contested show about this i I almost think we won't need to do a review of the game days one one week we'll just simply debate whether people should be in the playoffs um looking at it from a tiebreaker point of view are are there better ways to do it do we think you know if we could if we had a perfect condition would it is it more interesting, for example, say the two teams, you know, and I get the travel thing. If we got the two teams together and they just simply had a shootout, you know, one drive each and, until someone until someone blinks, would that be a more interesting way to settle that? I think it'd be a great sort of televised thing on ESPN at like three in the I morning, mean, I think. That is essentially, it's not a shootout, but it is essentially one of the options. It's just further down. I guess the, the argument would be that... Um, you know, you should go to national championship based on your performance throughout the season. But then I would come at you and argue that. So I don't. I, I you know, I'm personally not a fan of the the head-to-head method. I I think that in reality it doesn't because you unfortunately with the way that the amateur sport is, you could be missing players on a day, right? So you might say it's say it's Flash and, and Reading. They were missing Holwell in that first game, so is that result as legitimate as say the rest of their season where they put a body of work together and they've scored a lot of points? For me, and I'm not picking on Reading and Flash because of the bias, it's just an example, but for me, the the, the more um, all-encompassing statistic is the points aggregate, you know, points for and points against taken away and what's what's the difference? And and simply using that as like a, uh, uh, you know, we've scored 
200 points and, and they've scored 150 points and therefore we've had a better season because we've beaten people by more points. But the, the, the thing is that that's fine within division, but you're you're talking about competing with teams like um, in the Midlands, for example. They arguably have could you could argue either way have it easier or more difficult. You can argue it either way. Um, so you know, like Cheltenham have been having it pretty pretty fine up until recently they went and played Salford and got spanked um, so do they have a more difficult run to it um, you know they, are they in a more competitive division having to play those Midlands teams you could argue that Reading have got it easier because they get to play Berkshire twice whereas everyone in the southwest only gets to play them once Equally, you could say everyone in the Southwest has got it easier because they get to play Solon twice and the Southeast teams only get to play them once. So how do you... There's no way of determining in an amateur league a strength of schedule. No, and I get that, and I get that. I'm more thinking of that from a point of view of how do you... You can't compare head-to-head you know, across divisions, so knock that out of the park straight away. Then you're talking about, well, what body of work have you put together inside the own your own division say you know two teams are at the top both have the same record but one team scored a thousand points that year and the other team's done it by and i'm not i'm not being besmirching of your offense lewis but doing an extra falcons and just scoring <laughs> once and then running the clock out um you know it's is that a better is that a more impressive body of work arguably you could say it's more impressive to just hang on to a lead and and just you know time people down all the time i don't know but it's the, the counter argument to that is what if it's not just, uh, you know, because because it's net points is the next. If you if you if you took comparing two teams that don't play each other like southwest southeast teams going up against the Midlands, um, they don't play each other. So once you've got past win percentage, if that's tied, there's no head-to-head record. There's no head-to-head aggregate points. So you're looking at net points per games played. So it could be that a team like Exeter has won games 7-0 by scoring once and then running the clock out, or have they actually been in some really tight shootouts and they're winning games 36-35? Their net points is going to be lower because they've, they're only going to have a plus-minus of one. But you could say, well, maybe that body of work is more impressive because they've been more clutch or they were better at extra points or... You know, they found ways to win. I think with just tie breaks in general, I think someone always comes off worse in a way than necessarily other teams do. Um, And I think this is probably a good one for the listeners in terms of getting that feedback in terms of what do people actually think and what would they like to see more of? Um, I I think we all want to come off the better side of, of the tie break, but I think the overall point here is it's going always going to favour someone and that not might not necessarily be your own team. The only way that you can make sure that it's in your favour is just win, baby. Just win all your games. Just win. Just win all your games and then you'll be fine. Sounds simple, doesn't it, listeners? Just win all your games. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Blitzers should just have a punch-up and then we can all move on. That'll be the most interesting thing, I think. I, I back my wizard boy. 
Anyway, we'll move on to the actual games then because I'm sure they're bored of us rambling about this. Uh, we'll come to the Kane. Yes, do let us know your thoughts. Uh, we'll come to the Canesham game day then. Uh, and Lewis will start with the Falcons versus Bucks game. Yes, what a game. And this is my moment to be a little bit smug because all of y'all said that we were going to lose this. Uh, so You, you uh, did I your would... damnedest to try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. Um, David Camp, if you want some... Uh, some love for the defense, then this is the game for you because what a defensive struggle this was. Uh, so Falcons um, opened the scoring on the first drive, went up 7-0, um, and then nothing happened for the rest of the game until the last two minutes. Um, we we got turned away. We we didn't seem to have an awful lot of trouble moving the ball on them, but by God, that that, that Buckinghamshire Wolves um, goal line defence is ridiculous. We got inside the five, five yard line six or seven times and came away empty handed. So fair play to Callum um, and, and the rest of his defence for, for that. And, you know, that they really embodied bend and don't break, you know, move the ball, but came away empty handed n- numerous times. Um, but also, I mean, got to give love to, to my, my defensive coordinator, Ed. He game-planned the perfect defence um, against uh, an otherwise potent Buckinghamshire Wolves offence. And, um, you know, even Aaron, the quarterback, kind of said, fair play. We didn't, we didn't have an awful lot to, uh, to counter for you. It was, it was very well-run defence. Um, and, um, yeah, well, we, we finally managed to... Crack the second score late in the fourth quarter, um, and and that was pretty much all she wrote. There wasn't an awful lot of time left then, and they had to. We kind of played off defensively and let them take everything underneath, chew their own clock. Came away, they managed to punch it in, but came away fourteen six. Yeah, tight game, absolutely, and and we're not going to talk about the Kings Bucks game because it's not on on the list. Um, but just to add to that, in terms of giving props to that Buckinghamshire Wolves defense, what a unit that is! I mean, it's 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 not very often we get to praise defenses in flags, but my God, is Callum doing a job with that with that unit? And they're so together, in fact, that they went away to um, the OFL Cup this weekend without the offense, from what I could tell, and played <laughs> both ways and still managed to win the plate somehow. So. Um, yeah, tight group, tight knit group of players there doing a really, really good job. Um, sort of the, the the more than the sum of their total parts, or however you're supposed to put it. Um, yeah, tight game between you and the fa- uh, between you and the Bucks, then Lewis. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and as I said to them afterwards, I think they're one of these teams that we could play them ten times, and I think it'll be you know five and five. They could have gone either way. I certainly wasn't comfortable uh, until until it was the game was mathematically over. <laughs> Cool. So the next thing I have on the list for us is the card, uh, the card of Coyotes, which, shockingly, neither of us managed to watch in the whole day. Well, I think I think you were playing at the same time, and I think I was refing you. So uh, I didn't I didn't actually get to see the Coyotes at all throughout the day. I spent the entire day on pitch two, and they spent the entire entire day on pitch one. So I kind of forgot that they were there. Sorry, Cardiff. But they did do well on the day, didn't they? They did. I think they played three games and they won two of them. And I think they gave um, they gave the Bucks Wolves a fight as well. Um, just trying to find find their games. 
So this game that we're going to talk about, Cardiff Bay beat Chichester Sharks BC 319. Um, but yeah, they also uh, beat the Boxer Renegades 32-19. And I'm sure they played... Yeah, they played Buckinghamshire Wolves and the Wolves won 38-12. It's flying under the radar ever so slightly, but Cardiff Coyotes have really gone on a bit of a run, haven't they, for the last two or three game days. I mean, they got their first 3-0 game day in Swansea, if I'm not mistaken, and then two, yeah. two wins here, and they had, a, they had a couple of wins before that as well. You know, they're I'm really starting to put some, some results together. Worth mentioning that they were without a couple of pieces as well this weekend, because a lot of them, Mike Austin including, you know, head coach, lead guy, um, defensive third, was, was out uh, at Download Festival, uh, as were one or two others. Um, Just like the NFL, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine Ed Reed. Oh yeah, no, sorry, it was at Coachella this weekend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so for them to be missing a few key pieces, including their head coach, and come away from three games with two wins, uh, yeah, don't sleep on those guys. No, absolutely not. Uh, next game I have on the list then: Sharks B versus Falcons. Uh, so yeah, this was a little bit more uh, straightforward for us. Thankfully, um, Falcons came away 58-0 winners. But um, I think, well, from talking to Gareth, I think there was a couple of missed opportunities throughout the day for the Sharks B. Um, there was, I wish, I, I wish I'd caught the, the guy's name. There were, some, there were some bright sparks for the Sharks B team in this, uh, in this game. Um, Matt Smith, in particular, got two interceptions. Um, one of which was, was a very smart read. Um, I didn't didn't think that he would uh, would see that one see the play come in, and he read read me and read the receiver very well and intercepted the pass. Very very good play, and I wish I got the guy's name, but uh, in the second half, um, one of their receivers got a very impressive um, one handed catch, uh, which even had the Falcons sideline um, cheering and, and uh, you know clapping and applauding and saying very well done, fair play, good play. Um, but yeah, fifty eight nil is kind of tells you everything you need to know about this game otherwise. Yeah, and I, I briefly spoke to Jonathan after the uh, after the day concluded and it didn't seem like uh, Sharks be had a particularly fortuitous day throughout the day. And and what do we make of their, their sort of initial season in the league so far, do we think? I mean, at the start of the year, I think I pitched them about third or fourth in the league um, purely based on the fact that Neil Henderson's juju would just rub off on them. Um, <laughs> I, we haven't mentioned his age yet, have we? We probably should mention his age. Um, How old? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, I, I, we almost got away with that then, Neil. Um, but yeah, how do we rate the Sharks' beast, uh, you know, first season in, in Baffa? It's weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, you look at some of their, some of their scores and there's, there's games that they have, you might have thought at the beginning of the year they had no right in winning and they're either winning or, or coming close. And then there's teams, there's games you say, wow, they... Yeah, they should they should be winning that, and it's been mixed. I think it's been weird. I think they can, if they can get some consistency, they could they could really get quite impressive. Cool. Well, uh, we'll move on then to the, one of the other games, um, Kings versus Gators. Lewis, did you watch any of this game? All right, I'm uh, just talking about this solo. Um, uh, the best way that I can describe it, and I apologise uh, if this offends you or any of the other Kings, is. The Kings managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm. Is probably the way that I would put it. Um, I don't I, think that's going to offend anybody. 
the other the other thing the other only only other thing really to say um about about this game is I've said it before I'll say it again uh Matt Burke is very good at football he is very good at football um annoyingly so and I think that's probably I, I can say this now because I'm not after, I don't have to play the Gators until probably Southwest series or when they just randomly show up and just try and beat me again um, <laughs> you know they're, they're sort of running the game out strategy is just give it to Matt because he's really good at football um yeah. and let him run around a lot which that's sound when... strategy when when Liam's in trouble, you know who he's going to be looking for. And 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 to be fair, Hugh Wolford got two uh, got two touchdowns in this game um, as well, uh, led led in receiving touchdowns. But Matt Burke got a rushing touchdown, and he also got the game winning touchdown at the end. So uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a, a common theme when watching the Gators. Liam has a, uh, a a security blanket, shall we say, a safety blanket, um, and he keeps coming through for him every time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to your, to your comment at the start, I think probably we we did snatch defeat from the jaws of victory slightly, um, but I can't I can't knock the Gators. They made some very good halftime adjustments in the first half. They were they were running a type of defense, which I won't reveal because that's not fair of me. They were running a type of defense that we figured out and were just abusing, and they switched at halftime. And I wasn't prepared for them to switch anything because I got a little bit cocky. So. Um, that switch made all the difference, and I think the second half they probably kept us to maybe a score. That was kind of it, you know. It, they um, they were full value for that win, but I think in reality it's 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 a very maturing season for us at the Kings. I think that's probably our sixth game, which has been a one score either way to a win or a loss. I think we probably lost about five of them there. Um, certainly a lot to be learned, shall we say? Cool. And then final thing to mention on the day, I don't think Lewis, you didn't watch any of the Renegades, did you? Uh, only the game that I refed at the beginning, your, your guys' game with them. Yeah, and that was a 62-6 win to us. Um, again, I've asked I've asked this question about um, some of the other new teams, Solent, Wavening, Sharks, B. And I know Renegades had last year, but you know this is year two for them. Uh, do we think that they've gotten better? Do we think they've gotten worse? Well, I've not played them yet. Um, Are you but... going to get to play them? Uh, we do get to play them, um, okay. despite despite some upcoming news. Yeah, they are. Uh, we we should get to uh, get to play them on the twenty third of July, I think, um, in in Berkshire in Reading. Um, but I mean, I, I look back at the team that we played last season in the COVID year, and they edged us by an extra point uh, in one of the more tense games that we played that season. And I know that a lot of other teams in the league that, that last year didn't have as much trouble with them as we did. Um, but just looking at, uh, at the results that have been coming through for them this year, I can't help but think that maybe they've regressed. Um, and yeah. they're certainly not bringing some of the, some of the faces that I, I remember from last season that impressed me uh, and no longer with the team, it seems. Yeah, and Home Alone, you can probably comment on this a little bit more because they're well, they are very local to you. I wouldn't. Say, I feel like it'd be harsh to say they've got worse. Um, I, I don't think, in terms of their playing level, um, that it's dropped really considerably. I, I think where they've struggled in terms of numbers um, and possibly even the sort of the amount of people they've been able to bring to game days um, and the level of training that they've had. 
Um, I, I think that's probably that been their undoing so far. Um, I know just looking off their social medias, they were having to sort of practice against their their own youth setup um, in trainings and stuff like that. So it's never going to build you well into the season if that's your preparation. I, I know we took a different look on it and went to play teams like the Sharks. We played against the Kings, played against the Wolves, all sort of very respectable programs in their own. If you're only able to sort of necessarily train against against your youth team, I, I think it's always going to set a very poor tone that's not necessarily going to transfer well into the season. Yeah, and then with that sort of, uh, that, is, that indictment of them training against the youth team then, so there is news hot off the press today then, Lewis isn't there, so they're, they're, the Renegades are pulling out of two game days, if I'm not correct. Not yes, so they have, they have uh, they've pulled out of the next game day on the 2nd of July, which I believe they were supposed to be going to London, hosted by The Flash. Uh, they, at the moment, are still uh, co-hosting the cross-conference game day in Reading on the 23rd of July, uh, but they've also pulled out of the final game of the day on the 20th of August in Waveney. I'm sure, because uh, they were due to play the London Flash in London, correct? Yeah, so London Flash will still London Flash haven't played them yet. Uh, they'll still get one bite of the cherry um, at that co-hosted game day on the twenty third of July. Um, but yeah, they uh, they won't get a return fixture. Yeah, based on the social media outings on uh, our guy Brian uh, TB twelve B Tech, however we're describing him, um, <laughs> in terms of leading the country in touchdowns. Congratulations to you, Brian. So far that year, that's a great statistic. Um, but I'm sure he's mightily annoyed about that opportunity to go and put um, potentially a, a, a ton more points on a, a team that have been previously been beaten 104 this year. Um, we've so... all been there, right? We've all we've all been the victims of, of forfeits. Um, it sucks, but it happens. At least the rules now have changed in that forfeits are no longer included in your um, in your points per game stat because the Falcons got screwed over with that uh, in our first year because we were the only team in the country that didn't get to put 60 points on the Leicester Falcons, and that cost us. Yeah, and I mean, from a Flash's point of view, they, they you know, they don't That's get a loss legal, by... uh, Yeah, from a Flash point of view, they don't get a, uh, they don't get a, a loss from it, so it's it's not no big loss in terms of the team, but I, uh, if I know Brian, he'll be, uh, he'll be seizing about that uh, lost opportunity to add to his, his season total. Um, I think probably if he keeps on track, he may even hit 100 this year, which would be mightily impressive. Cool. And then just quickly to finish off the pod then. So how did we do on the uh, bold predictions that we made? Um, I think I made a bold prediction that Exeter Falcons wouldn't win a game this weekend. Just gone. Uh, uh, well, not well. Not well. Um, <laughs> I'll admit, I'll admit, you know, I thought I thought there was a chance. It, you tried very hard to lose against Bucks Wolves. Let's be honest. I'm not uh, sure that's true. The, you only I, scored fourteen I, points. Well, that's a, that. But we were we were on the goal line several times, and they barely got into our half. Um, so, Lewis, if we're counting, if we're counting people being on the goal line and not scoring, then the Kings are the top of the league. Right now. <laughs> yeah. What I mean is, we did. I don't think. I think it's 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 not. We didn't score as many points because we. I was throwing the ball to the wrong people or. Throwing it out that, that tends to be how I, I operate as well when I lose. <laughs> I think it's more of a testament to their defense that we didn't score more than uh, than than the off our offense was 
not working. No, no. Of course, I'm, I'm winding you up, of course. Um, but yes, no, my, my bold prediction didn't come in. Home alone, did yours? No, I, I think I missed by quite a few. I can't remember the exact amount um, of shutouts I predicted. Um, we had three Six. on the game day. Um, <laughs> yeah, we remember. So, <laughs> I remember. So I made you name them. Yeah. And you got to about four and went, I've, I've run out of fixtures. <laughs> yeah, we, we hit three. So 50% too bold, maybe. But it's always next week. <laughs> okay. And finally, Lewis, did you hit any of yours? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I said the Reading Devils would put up a combined 200 points across the three games, and I think it was close, but not close enough. Hamela, do you have that statistic to hand? Um, maybe not that close, actually. Now looking at it, 68, 52, and 34. Anyone with quick maths? And what was the last one, sorry? 34. It's 164. <sighs> I thought they were going to put I thought they were going to put another hundred burger on Solent. Sorry, I thought they were going to put hundred burger on Solent, and then it would be sixty against Salisbury and forty against Swansea. That's how I because I had two ball predictions. Well, none of us, none of us are particularly good at predicting boldly. Then, um, so once again, lads, another serviceable podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Uh, where there are premiership games, I believe. So we'll uh, we'll be joined by our uh, lofty, more important friends, Gareth Price and uh, Luke Champion. Um, but for now, I've been Jay Ballamy, joined by Lewis Phillips and Ryan Home Alone McEveney. And uh, we'll catch you next time. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and 15 Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.